so far in this series, we have talked about God testing us, and we've talked about us testing God. Now, if you've missed either or both of these messages, you can, you can go uh, to our website or you can listen to our podcast. Well, today, today we're going to talk about the fact that we should test others. We should test others. Now, I have way, way too much material today, so I'm gonna, only going to be able to touch on each point, so we've got to get going and we've got to go rather quickly this morning. Let's begin with this. We should test our peers. We should test our peers. Now, we should love everybody, right? We should love everyone, but not everyone has the right to speak into our life. Not everyone should be allowed into our circle of influence. Only those that have been tested and have passed the test. Proverbs 13 and 20 says to walk with the wise, and if you walk with the wise, you will become wise, but if you associate with fools, you will get into trouble. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 says don't go into partnership with an unbeliever. Don't go into a partnership with an unbeliever. We should test our peers. First of all, we should test their words. Test their words. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 34, Jesus said, whatever comes out of a man's mouth will reveal what's in his heart. Did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said that you can tell what's in a person's heart by listening to the words that come out of their mouth. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 11 says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Don't you like that? I love that. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. But it goes on to say the words of the wicked conceal violent intention. So, so the words that we speak, they will reveal whether we are godly or whether we are wicked. So it's very important that we pay attention to what those that are closest to us, that we pay attention to what they are saying because if we will listen to what they, were, they are saying, it will tell us much about their character and it will tell us much about their true self. But not only should we uh, test their words, but we should test their works. Test their works. Matthew chapter 17, verses 16 through 20, Jesus said, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And he said a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And he goes on to say, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So who we hang out with, who we allow into our lives on a consistent basis will determine, will determine who we will eventually be and what we will eventually do. So we need to pass, uh, test our peers. Do we really want to look like them? Do we really want to act like them? Do we really want to sound like them? Did you hear me? I said we need to test our peers. We need to look at those people that we are, that we are hanging around with. We need to look at them. We need to watch them. We need to watch their lives. We need to listen to the words that are coming out of their mouths. And then we need to ask ourselves, do I really want to look like them? Do I really want to act like them? Do I really want to sound like them? Because if I keep hanging with them, that's exactly what is going to take place. Not only should we test our peers, but we should test preachers. Let me know preachers should be tested. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, 
The Bible says, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a, you could put pastor there, preacher there, minister there, overseer. Uh, If he does that, he desires a good work. So a pastor or a minister or a preacher must be blameless. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil." So before we listen to, before we join ourselves to, before we follow the teachings of a preacher or a teacher, we should first test them. We should test them or, or get the endorsement from a mature saint or minister who has tested them. Now, when a church is selecting a new pastor, the pastoral candidate should absolutely, definitely be Tested. Let, me, let, let me give you seven areas of the life of a minister, seven areas of the life of, of your pastor, if you will, that must pass the test. First of all, test their honesty. How many think it'd be a good thing if the pastor was honest? Test their honesty. Verse 2 says, must be blameless, must live a life above reproach. So test their honesty, test their integrity. Ask, ask uh, questions like, do they pay their bills? How many think it's a good thing if you've got a pastor that pays his bills? Do they pay their bills? Do, do, do they do what they, what they say they will do? do they, have, have they really done what they have said that they will do? How many know you can get up here and say anything that you want to say, but you need to test and see, well, did they really do that? Were they really there? Did that really happen? Ask yourself, do they practice what they preach. Another uh, area that a pastor needs to be tested in, and that is test their home life. Test their home life. Verse 4 and 5 says the the pastor, the minister, must manage his own family well. His children must respect and obey him. It goes on to say that if a man cannot even manage his own household, how is he going to be able to manage a church? And then in verse number two, it says he must be faithful to his wife. So if you want to know something about a preacher, how many know you just look closely at his family? How many know that if you look closely at a man's family, it will tell you a whole lot about that man? And so, and so as you test the man of God, as you test the preacher, the pastor, the minister, uh, test, his, test by looking at his family. How do they live? How, how do they treat him? Uh, does he have the love? Does he have the respect? Does he have the support of his wife and of his children? How many know that's important? Another test for the pastor is test their heart. Test their heart. Verse 3 says, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not covetous. So test their heart. And, and, and one way, as I've already said, to test their heart is by listening to what they are continually saying and by watching and seeing what they are continually doing. 
Listen to the words that are coming out of the mouth of the man of God. Are they positive or are they negative? Do they lift people up or do they tear people down? Test his, test his heart. Does the man of God take time for people? Does he take time for people or is, or is their ministry over as soon as they walk off of the platform? Another thing to test is, and that is test their history. Test their history. Verse number six says, not a novice. Not a novice, not a beginner. Lead pastors should be ministers of experience. Doesn't mean they have had to have experience as a lead pastor because you've got to get the job first before you get experience, right? But, but he must have ministry experience. They, they should be able to wear the T-shirt that says, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Before you buy into a ministry, check their ministry history. And here's the reason, because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they what they have done. Most of the time, uh, you can forecast a person's future by looking at their past. Now, now this doesn't have to be this way, but it usually, usually is. Another test is test their hospitality. Test their hospitality. Verse number two, must be hospitable. It's important for a, for a minister to be a people person. It's important for a pastor especially to love people. Now, this doesn't mean that he has to be a sanguine, life-of-the-party extrovert, but it does mean that this man should be able to interact with and have fellowship and care for people. And then another test is you should test their humility. Test their humility. Verse 3, not greedy for money and not quarrelsome. A preacher should not be arrogant. A preacher should not be arrogant, should not be demanding, demanding. And I don't, I, I, I hate to say it, but I know some preachers that are arrogant and I know some preachers that are demanding. And I'm going to tell you something, I don't want any part of it. The only part of their ministry. Preachers should not be arrogant. They should not be demanding. Uh, and they should not take all the credit for the success of their ministry, but they should give the glory to God. And then also another test for the man of God is, and that is test their handling, test their handling of God's word. Verse number two says they must be able to teach. How many know that it's kind of important for the teacher to be able to teach? Kind of important for the preacher to be able to preach. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9 says that, that this minister, this pastor, this preacher must be able to encourage people with wholesome teaching and show others who oppose it where they are wrong. So the man of God that, that ministers the word of God, he should be, should be able to handle the word of God correctly. So you should test the man of God. You should test your pastor and test the teaching uh, of, of, of the man of God. Ask questions like this. Is their teaching sound? Is their teaching sound? Is it balanced? Is it balanced? Ask, is it consistent? Is it consistent? Does he say one thing one Sunday and contradict it the next and contradict it the next? You need to test the, the ministry, test the preaching and teaching ministry of the man of God. Is their doctrine in line with what the Bible actually says? Listen, don't listen to a preacher just because he's popular or has a megachurch or is on TV or on the radio or has written books or has a podcast. 
Don't listen to the preacher. Don't listen to a teacher just because he, he articulates well, just because he does well with words, just because he's interesting, just because he tells good stories, just because he's easy to listen to. No, test them first. The good news today is, is there's so many podcasts that are out there. The good news today is there's, there's so much so much teaching and preaching available today. The bad news is there's so much teaching and preaching available today. Because not all of the teaching and not all of the preaching today that is done uh, is, 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 is Bible-based. It's not all fundamentally sound. And so we need to test the man of God or the woman of God or whoever it is that we are listening to. Don't just buy everything hook, line, and sinker, but test everything with the Word of God and, and, and make sure they are preaching what God's Word actually teaches Now, in saying that, let me also say this because this is a problem too, and that is just because you don't agree with one particular area or doctrine that somebody teaches, that doesn't automatically disqualify them from teaching you anything. You're not going to find a teacher or a preacher. You're not going to find a pastor that that bats a thousand in every area. There's things I used to preach I don't preach anymore. Things I used to teach I don't teach anything anymore. Why? Because I was wrong. I was young and getting started and trying to figure my way out, and I was listening to people to try and get something to say. And not everybody I got to listen to were saying the the things I ought to have been listening to. That's why I don't listen to a lot. And I'm not, I just, I don't listen to a lot of preachers. I don't listen to a lot of teachers. I just try and study the word of God myself and let God speak to me individually what God wants me to speak to this congregation. Not saying there's anything wrong with listening to others. It's great, but we need to be, we need to qualify those that we are listening to. Amen. And don't, don't automatically, you know. Well, you know, I heard them say this. And so, you know, well, yeah, and I don't really agree with that either. But you know what? I don't agree with everything I say. <laughs> I get done and I say, did I really say that? I really didn't mean that. I didn't really mean it come over like that. I wish I had time to explain myself. And maybe that person just hadn't had time to explain themselves. Or maybe that person is wrong in that area. But just because they're wrong in that area doesn't mean they can't speak into our life. That doesn't mean there are other areas that they can incredibly bless us with. So, so don't automatically throw, throw, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Chew up the meat and spit out the bones. All right, let's keep moving. Not only should we test our peers, not only should we test preachers, but we should test prophecies. We should test prophecies. Now, we are a spirit-filled church. What does that mean? Because every church says they're a spirit-filled church. What does that mean? Well, for us, it simply means that we believe the whole Bible. And it, mean, and it means that we still believe, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit still operate today. Now, one of the gifts, it's just one, but one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of prophecy. Now, this gift of prophecy operates as God gives a person a message or a word that they give to either a group of people, like in a church service, or to an individual. So, so, so the Holy Spirit gives them 
something to say, gives them a message, gives them a word, gives them something to, to share with either an individual or with a group of people. Now, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 3, the purpose, say the purpose, the purpose of prophecy is threefold. The purpose of prophecy is threefold, to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. Now, we're not talking about the other gifts of the Holy Spirit right now. We're only talking about the gift of prophecy. And the purpose of the gift of prophecy is threefold, to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. So these are the parameters that prophecy should stay within. So every prophecy, whether it's given in a service to all or given to you individually, the parameters or the boundaries of that prophecy is it's either going to strengthen or it's going to encourage or it's going to comfort or it's going to do all three. We also need to understand that every prophecy should be tested. Every prophecy should be tested. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 1 says, Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them and see. Say, test and see. You must test them and see if the spirit they have comes from God because there are many false prophets. So, so every prophecy should be tested. Let me give you three questions to ask that you can use to help in testing prophecies. So ask yourself these three questions. First of all, concerning the prophecy that you've either heard it in a, in a church setting or in a, in a setting with multiple people or somebody has given you a, a word or a personal prophecy. Uh, the first question you need to ask about that prophecy, and that is ask about it, does it ring true with Scripture? Does the prophecy that I just heard, does it ring true with Scripture? Who's the author of this book? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. And because he is the author of this Scripture, how many know he, above everybody else, knows what's in this book? And because he's the author of this book, and he knows this book, and he inspired this book, and he knows what's in this book, he's never going to have somebody tell you or tell a group of people anything that would contradict what he's already said in his book. So, so ask yourself, first of all, when you receive a prophecy or hear a prophecy, does it ring true with Scripture? Another good reason why we should know what the Scripture says. Amen? So if a prophecy says something that goes against the written Word of God, it is a false prophecy. Do not accept it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29 says, Let the people prophesy. Let them prophesy, Paul says, but he goes on to say, but let their prophecies be judged. Second question you need to ask when you hear a prophecy, and that is, ask yourself, does it ring true in my spirit? What I just heard, what I just heard, does it ring true in my spirit? Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. 
So when you hear a prophecy given to a group or someone gives you a personal prophecy, ask yourself, does what they say, does what they have just said, does it ring true in my my spirit? Or are there some alarm bells going on, oh, oh, going off on, on the inside of me? Is there an uneasiness? Oh, I've just heard this word, and there's just this uneasiness that I'm that that, that I'm feeling, or or I just have this I just have this feeling that something is off. Let me know what I'm talking about. Third question that you need to ask anytime you hear a prophecy is: you need to ask the question: Does it ring true with the saints? Does what I've just received, just what I've just heard, the prophecy that has just been given, does it ring true with the saints? Are the mature saints, say mature saints, are the mature saints receiving this prophecy? Now, if it's a personal prophecy, and especially if it's a personal prophecy about a major issue in your life, then you should share it with a mature saint, say mature saint. You should share that prophecy with a mature saint or minister whom you trust. Say, whom you trust. Share it with a mature saint or minister whom you trust and ask them what they think of it. Acts chapter 15 verse 28 says, said that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, but it seemed good to us. Or we felt good about receiving it, or it felt good in our spirit. We all believe that it was a good word. Now listen, don't, don't think yourself unspiritual for not receiving every prophecy at face value. Scripture says, test it. Test the person and the prophecy, and especially, especially if it's concerning a major matter. Ask yourself three questions. Does it ring true with Scripture? Does it ring true in my spirit? And does it ring true with the saints? Proverbs 14 and 15 says, The simple believes every word, but the wise consider well their steps. All right, we're in a series called The Test. Scripture says we should test our peers. Scripture says we should test preachers. Scripture says we should test prophecy. And, and the last for today, Scripture says we should test people in spiritual authority. We should test people in spiritual authority. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13 gives us the qualifications of a deacon. In a few weeks, we're going to be having our annual business meeting, and there's a couple of, business, a couple of deacon slots that are available, and uh, we need to find good, sound, biblical, say biblical, Not American-made, not American logic, but biblical deacons. Say biblical deacons. Well, the qualification of a biblical deacon can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Let me read it. It says, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Be what? Let them first be tested, and let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives, say their wives, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, uh, temperate, faithful in all things. 
Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let me go on record by saying I love deacons. Some of my favorite people in all of the world are deacons. I've never had a major problem. I don't even know I've ever even had a minor problem with a deacon. I'm talking about biblical deacons. I'm talking about deacons that understand their role and fulfill their role. I love them. They're God. The pastor, the pastor is God's gift to the church. Did you know that's what the Bible says? Do you know the Bible says I'm your gift? That's what the Bible says. It says the pastor is the gift God gave to the church. Pastors, I'm your gift. But I'm going to tell you that as I'm your gift, the deacon is my gift. The deacon is my gift. The true biblical deacon that understands what his role is, is is a gift to the pastor. Thank God we have great ones. I've always had, I've had good ones or great ones for, for 46 years. Amen. Never had a bad one. And so blessed and so thankful. But let me briefly just mention five areas according to Scripture. Not according to Benson, but according to Scripture. Five areas where a person's life should be tested before, say before before being placed in the position of a deacon. The first one is test their maturity. How many know it ought to be, a deacon ought to be a mature person? Mature as an individual, but mature spiritually as well. Only the mature will be placed in spiritual authority or should be placed in spiritual authority. There's a lot of immature ones that have been, but let me say that only the mature should be placed in spiritual authority because there will be issues arise that the immature will not be able to handle. Well, first of all, test their maturity. Before you elect someone, before you nominate someone, and now we've got some nominated, before you cast a ballot, don't you dare ask somebody who they're going to vote for. Don't you dare. Don't you dare vote for somebody that you know is popular or somebody that, what, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. But ask these questions. Test them. Ask yourself. Test their, first of all, test their maturity. Second test they're going to have to pass is they're going to have to pass, test their morality. Test their morality. Verses 8 through 10 says not two-faced. They can't be a heavy drinker, can't be greedy, can't, but they must possess a pure conscience. They must be blameless. So before placing someone into the position of a deacon, their morality should be checked out. What kind of a reputation do they have? Um, what do other people say about them? What do other people think about them? They are going to be representing this body. And most of all, they're going to be representing this pastor. So how many would understand that we want somebody that's got a good reputation? So test their morality. Third test is, and that is test their marriage and family. Test their marriage and family. Verses 11 and 12 says their wives must be respected. Let me tell you that it's just as important to look at the wife as it is to look at the husband. Just as important to look at the deacon's wife as it is the deacon. Very, 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 very important. Their wives must be respected according to Scripture. I'm reading now. They must exercise. Talking about the deacon's wife. Their wives must be respected. They must exercise self-control. They must be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. So look at a man's wife and look at a man's kids and look at their family life. Look at his wife and ask yourself, is she a gossip? I mean, no, a, a gossipy 
woman wouldn't be a really a good deacon's wife. Is she a gossip? Is she always in the middle of controversy? It just seems like, seems like if there's controversy going on, she's in the middle of it. Ask yourself. Ask yourself, does she support him? Does she support him? Is she behind him? Is she with him? Does she walk beside him? Is she with him in ministry? Is she with him in this ministry and in this position? Ask yourself, does she have, does she have a good reputation? It's not only important that he has one, but it's important that his wife has one as well. Ask yourself, how are, how, is it, how is his kids? How's his kids? Do they respect him? You know, if they, if they talk ugly to him, talk back to him, if they don't mind him, probably not a good candidate for a deacon. Ask yourself, how's his kids? Do they respect him? Do they submit to his authority? What's their reputation like? What's the kids' reputation like? Ask yourself, how's their marriage? Is it solid? Are there signs of trouble in the home? I mean, no, these are good questions to ask. Test it. Test it. And then, and then another test is, and that is, according to Scripture, test for this deacon, this uh, prospective deacon, test their management ability. Test their management ability. Verse 12, a deacon must manage his, his household well. So ask yourself, what's his finances like? Does he handle money well? He's going to help, help handle the money of the church. Well, you know, I think if he's going to help handle the money of the church, you need to make sure he handles his own money good. Does he pay his bills? I mean, no, it's important the preacher pays the bills. It's important the deacon pays his bills. Does he pay his bills? Does he pay them on time? If he has a business, how is it? How's his business? Does he, does he run it ethically? Does his employees speak well of him? Is he doing well in business? See, see, if he can't manage his own business well, and if he cannot manage his own household well, how in the world is he going to be able to help manage the house of God? See, and for years, all we ever did was, we're not, you know, get a ballot in your hand, and everybody gets a ballot in their hand, and they put a, a name on there of their best friend. We wonder why there's so much trouble in the church, and we don't have any here, and thank God for it. And one of the reasons why we have an incredible relationship with the pastor and the board here and have had for almost 16 years is that I take the time to teach it. I'm not, I'm not giving myself kudos. I'm just saying if we get the right people in the right positions, all will go well. If you get the wrong people in the wrong positions, all hell can break loose. And then finally, ask, this, this is the test, also test their motives. Verse number eight, must have integrity. Test their motives. Why do they want to be a deacon? Why do they want, ask yourself, why would they want to serve? Why would they want to be a deacon? Is it a pride issue? Are they seeking a position? Are they power hungry? Do they see this as some kind of a power thing? Because in a lot of churches, it's a power thing. There's a power struggle between the big bad preacher and the board, and they're in a tug of war. Listen, we don't do that around here. Just quite frankly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang around. I wouldn't hang around. I wouldn't have it. Because that's not, God can't bless that. Can't bless that. Do they, ask yourself, do they want to be a watchdog over the pastor? Is that why they want the position? Why? Ask, test their motives. Why would they be willing to serve? Why do they want to serve? Or do they have the heart of a servant? Do they have a heart of a 
servant? Do they have a desire to be an Aaron or a her that hold up the weary hands of the leader? See, 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 the deacon is not the representative of the people to the pastor, but he, the deacon is the representative of the pastor to the people. In the book of Acts, in the early church, the preachers couldn't do all of the tasks that, that were demanded, and so they elected some deacons to help take the load off of the pastor. It wasn't to put a heavier load on the pastor, but it was to help take some of the load off of the pastor. But in many, many churches, the biggest load that the pastor carries is the board, which is opposite of what it should be and ought to be. And so, and so if you're a deacon, see yourself as the extension. And listen, listen, don't think bad. Be excited about it. I'm an extension of Jesus. I am. I'm an extension of Jesus. And you can be an extension of me. And you can help take the load off of the pastor, amen, by, by, by being his hands extended, by being an Aaron and a her that help hold up the weary hands of the leader. Do you see, do, do they see themselves as their pastor's representative? Do they see themselves as his hands extended? Do they see themselves as stewards of the vision of the house? Man, find somebody that has the vision of the house. Does he help accomplish the God-given vision of the house where they worship? Test their motives takeaway for the message today is this. Never join yourself with untested people. Never join yourself with untested people. Test them. Test them. Whether that be your pastor, whether that be a prospective deacon, whether that be your best friend, whether that be somebody that has a giant ministry, never join yourself with untested people. Test them. But I also want to say this, and that is be loving with your test. Be loving with your test. Be fair with your test. No one's going to make a hundred on the test. See, now, somebody can take me to task on this, and you can do that in your church when you're the pastor if you want to, but here's the way I see it. All of that list of, of qualifications for pastors and for, and, and for deacons, nobody's going to make 100 on that test. Nobody is going to make 100 on that test. How many know you can still make a, an A and not make 100? You can miss a few questions. You can be off a little bit and still Make an A, and you can miss several and still pass. So nobody, nobody, nobody is going to make a 100 on the test. And so what do we do? We look for the people that make the best grade. We may look for people that, that come as close as possible to meeting the requirements of a pastor, a deacon, leader, whatever. How many know this? Does this make sense to you? Is it okay? Did I do okay today? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me in his presence today? Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this, Lord, this teaching time today, Lord. But, but God, your word is, Lord, it's so important that we understand. We don't just cherry pick different things, but we, Lord, we take all of your word. And we thank you for the practical side of your word. Thank you, Lord, for so much of your word that will help us. If we will, if we will live by your word and practice your word, Oh, God, it will help us tremendously to live a 
much, much better overcoming life.